Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and we are kind of within a month of our 200th episode, which is insane. Absolutely crazy that this is episode 195. So also crazy that in 195 episodes, this is the first time we are having a CA on the podcast today. And holy moly, this was one of those episodes that, so we recorded a while ago and I didn't even, I didn't want my team to wait until it aired. I had Kirby send the audio file to our entire team to listen to because Jackie does, oh my gosh, such an incredible job of breaking down what a a CA is. I've always called it a chiropractic assistant. She calls it something else. I'm not going to spoil what it is and what she says, but it's good. So Kirby and I were actually recording some other content this morning and he got an emergency phone call from his dad because um, there's an ice dam on some shed. And so he's rushing out because the shed is creaking and I, it was just kind of one of those like, oh yeah, a ton of my patients lately have been coming in with like upper, you know, CT junction areas, just all a wreck. And they've all been telling me that they've been shoveling snow off or raking snow, sorry, is what they say, um, off their, off the roofs. And this is just one of those things that this is wisdom in a nutshell is knowing when do you need to rake off the snow from your roof that like, I don't know, my 20 something self would have no idea that that was a thing that people have to do, let alone their entire day plans gets ruined because they have to rush to help save a shed. Like, yep, that's just happens. Um, wouldn't it be a funny reel? This would be a funny. Uh, so it would be like reasons patients cancel in the Northwoods. Oh my gosh, what what kind of stuff do we get up here? So like I have to rake my rake the snow off my roof would be a reason that people cancel their appointment or reschedule, I should say. Maple syrup, legit making hay because it's supposed to rain. That is absolutely, absolutely a reason. Oh my gosh, so many weird things that happen in Northwoods, Wisconsin that I just don't think chiropractors 
you know, down in Texas and Florida have to deal with. But, oh my gosh, I know you have weird things down there too. If you are listening and you are a chiropractor outside, you know, in like a geography that you think your patients reschedule appointments for like a weird but common thing in your area, shoot me a DM because I want to know what kind of stuff you put up with. You know, I posted a reel, not a reel, something on my Insta story a while ago about how, you know, we have to cancel for snow days sometimes because there's just so much snow. And, you know, I had people from Texas specifically saying like, we don't have to cancel for snow, but we get like even the inkling of ice and nobody can drive anywhere. And I'm like, oh, that would be annoying. That would also be annoying. Okay, so we are going to do a listener highlight, and this is from Kelly through Instagram, and she says, Hi, Dr. Brunswick. I'm always impressed when people not only know my last name, but spell it correctly. And so now I'm curious, how did Kelly know that? Did she go stalk me a little bit? Which I'm, I'm not opposed. Not opposed. First is even knowing my last name. Second is knowing how to spell it. Third is can you pronounce it? Anyways. I'm a relatively new listener to your podcast, and it has honestly been nothing short of amazing. I'm a newish associate that kind of had no idea what she wanted to do, and your podcast has been helping guide me. Um, she goes on to ask a question, which I will remind y'all, I just realized when I found her highlight again, oh yeah, that's right, she asked a question that I just ghosted her on. I never responded to poor Kelly. Um, hopefully I remember when I'm done with this intro to respond to her. But there is a link that you can submit your questions to that will not get lost. Um, and I might actually do an episode on it. So uh, we'll have that link for you below, please. So please can everybody who makes this podcast happen up to the world include that ask a question to Lauren below. And then also, if you did want to do an official shout out on Apple Podcasts, or I don't know if you can do it on Spotify, uh, but if you wanted to write a review, I would love it. And then also want to take a second to thank all of my Patreon She Slays members. It may not seem like I need $3.99 a month. And you're right. I don't need $3.99 a month. But the way that you support the podcast really, really does validate and mean a lot to me. And I know every single person who is a She Slays member um, and they're special. Like I make them as like my favorites on Instagram so I can be sure to just engage and interact with them more. So however you support the podcast on Patreon, know that I really, really appreciate and I do see you and appreciate it. Okay, so today, okay, you guys, why do I not ask people how to pronounce their last name? Like you would think that I would know as somebody whose last name is difficult to pronounce to like, hey, heads up, how do I say your last name? All right, this is Jackie Jakapuix. There's no way I pronounced her last name. I I don't know. Jackie's an all-star. She is like the head person for PwC, Tony Ebel's crew down in Crystal Lake, the pediatric experience. I mean, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's a badass. So she is a wife, perfect storm mom, which she will share about, and a care advocate. Clarity, lists, and fairness rule her heart. 
outliers, rebels, and people who fight for what they love in. Love are her favorite kinds of people. And she's completely in awe of the people within and the power of chiropractic. Her life's work is serving her team and helping other teams employ empathy and excellence in the care experiences they create for their communities. Um, she's going to share her story. So good. Uh, we definitely, this is something, so I intended for it to be very functional for the owner, the chiropractor, like what can we learn? How can we do our jobs better? Um, but like I said, her wisdom and like passion and just how she phrased things and the why behind what they do, I immediately told Kirby, like, send this to our team. I want them to listen to this. And it also reminded me like, oh yeah, I need to make sure that our team is engaging with the trainings that we get through the pediatric experience because like we pay, you know, I got this episode for free from her, but like our clinic pays for this wisdom on a regular basis. So we need to remind her, make sure we're doing it. So let's pray and let's jump into an awesome episode. Dear God, thank you so much for the care advocates in our clinic. As a podcast that is so focused on chiropractic and chiropreneurship, it is great to be reminded that we can't do this alone, nor should we. We were created to be community-minded human beings, you know, back to just like the, the story of Adam and Eve, one of the first things that was necessary is he needed a partner in this. And so many chiropractors feel that they are doing this alone. Help this episode to continue to reach more chiropractors. So whether, whether they are doing it alone, but they're doing it with me, they're listening to episodes and they don't feel alone because they can see themselves in me. They can see themselves in the guests, whether they join communities of chiropractic, where they can learn and lean into and ask questions, just whether that's Patreon, the pediatric experience, like all the different resources out there and remind them if they have staff, that those people when chosen appropriately. They care and they want to be a part of the impact that we're doing. We're so blessed that chiropractic is like cool. Like I can't imagine how hard it would be if I was an accountant to get my front desk on board with that. We're changing lives. I mean, I could do it. I, I'm a salesman, so I could spin it, but like we don't have to. Like all we have to do is share the truth of what chiropractic is and what we're doing with an adjustment and we will attract the people into our life, the support staff into our life that are like, yeah, I, I've been looking for something meaningful and I want to be a part of this. And thank God because... They deserve so much more money than we can afford to pay them. So thank you for this blessing. Thank you for the people. And just continue to help develop a sense of community and love and support within this profession. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, without further ado, we've got lead care advocate Jackie Jakobowicz. Yep, nailed it. Okay. So we will start with how I like to start 
almost every podcast, which is what is your Enneagram type, Jackie? <laughs> well, uh, I'm a, an Enneagram one. Um, of course, I do are. have a lot of <laughs> I do have a lot of eight traits, though, too, because I, I love rules and I love to follow rules until I don't. <laughs> and then I very much rebel against any of that. So that is very eight. Were you so like Kirby and I have talked about this where one thing like Enneagram is so inclusive in so many ways, except there's never a conversation about who you were raised by mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I was raised yeah. by an eight. So mm-hmm. I learned that, you know, that's how you fight. You know, mm-hmm. like, and my mom and I are still healing from like, no, 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 we don't fight like that as adults type of thing. But like my yeah. teenage years, when I was learning like relationships and confrontation, I was being mm-hmm. demoed by an eight. So like, were yeah. either your parents eight or like, yeah, so my dad raised me and uh, he's an eight. And okay. so, and he is like an eight to the deepest level. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, so I think that is, no, that is absolutely where some of those uh, traits came from because, you know, it's you're sparring, especially <laughs> in those teen years, you know, you're like yeah. going at it a little bit. What's cool, though, is that my dad, um, he really always encouraged a lot of logic and like, you know, obviously people who know the Enneagram, they know that like ones are ruled by like fairness and justice and like you know this is the box and you know and my dad definitely did indulge understanding those things Mm -hmm. um so yeah a lot of eight influences in my life got it so tell I'm trying to think you might be the first and only CA that we have had on the podcast I'm trying to think there's 190 episodes and I'm like, I think you're the first. Now, would you call yourself a CA? You know, I would call myself a CA. I would, I would. I think it depends on how other people though perceive me because yeah, I, I would say I do view myself as a CA. The jury's out on how other people view me. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I really function as a CA in my role very, very heavily. I, you know, I have a lot of other layers to it, especially because we have a lot of students coming through mm-hmm. um, the practice and we mentor a lot. Um, and, you know, I have the position of being able to, you know, teach and lead. Um, and sometimes people don't correlate that necessarily with a CA role, but I'm excited to talk a little bit more about why I think we need to flip that and reverse it. <laughs> well, so I think that it's so funny because I had, I had, I told you, I don't really know where I have an idea of where we're going to go, but I wasn't planning. Yeah. I have a fundamental issue with the name chiropractic assistant. So like, yeah. I feel like we made this name and then because it's like, well, you're not a secretary and you're not yeah. an admin, but like yeah. chiropractic assistant courses are often more like hooking up STEM and like, you yeah. know, almost like a dental assistant type sure. thing or a dental hygienist. And so like anytime that I'm hiring, I'm trying to explain. So we just hired um, a new CA. 
And it's Mm -hmm. easy. It's short lingo, but it's like the name just doesn't translate to everything that your job in role, you are like supporting the doctor when you are like holding down the front desk. What are your thoughts on that? So when I say I'm a CA, I, um, for me, that resonates as I'm a care advocate. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't look at myself like I'm a chiropractic assistant. I looked at my look at myself as a care advocate because I think that actually way more embodies what my role really is. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's systems and checklists and procedures and all kinds of things that we do as CAs to get the job done. But I think one of the most often overlooked and yet most crucial parts of what we do is being that trusted guide for patients as they navigate through their journey in our practices. And that looks different through the evolution of it. But what I do as a care, uh, care advocate and, and how I embody that is way more about the experience that we're creating, mm-hmm. the connection that we're having, and how we are helping people during a time that often is a difficult time in their life you know, and that can be different depending on the patient and what they're coming in for in terms of goals for care. But for me, I definitely identify as a care advocate through and through. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Like literally not to blow smoke up your, is it smoke up your ass? Is that the phrase? (laughs) I think it is. Yeah. Wow. That is a really, anyways, not to blow smoke anywhere, but like if we ended right now, And I feel like every doctor listening would go, holy shit, I just want my CAs to listen to that three minutes that you just said, that that is it, that it's care advocate. Now, how, okay, we got to reverse a little bit. Tell people a little bit about your journey and who you work for, where you work. And then Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget my next main question after that is going to be, how do we start to get our CAs to care about being mm-hmm. care advocates in their role. So I'll write that. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, um, yeah. So Jackie Jacobowitz and I work at PWC chiropractic in Crystal Lake, Illinois. And, uh, my journey there started as the mom of a patient, you know, and that, that is why I'm so passionate about truly embodying that phrase of, you know, or that label of care advocate, because it was a care advocate that really helped me so much when we were getting started with my son, Logan, my son, Logan, you know, has multiple diagnoses. He's a, you know, through and through perfect storm kid. And so for us, you know, we started hopeful for our son, hopeful that we were going to get a miracle, which we did. And, and chiropractic has continued to be a miracle for him now, eight years into getting adjusted. So for us, I, where I started was seeing my son change drastically during his care plan, knowing that when we got to that transition in care, that we were going to do whatever it took to get him under care, keep him under care permanently. My whole family starting to get adjusted and us really shifting um, foundationally as a family in a space where we were like, there's something to this and we don't know what it is, but this is exactly where we need to be. And then I just became a chiropractic evangelist, you know, so many things shifted for, for all of us 
that, I started telling more people about chiropractic. I started referring people into the office. And um, it was really when I shared my parent testimonial at a perfect storm, probably nine months after we became patients at the practice, that I realized that I had never felt so on purpose and so connected to my path in life as I did in that moment. And so a couple months later, they invited me to join the team, which I was delighted to do. And um, about two and a half months after joining the team as a part-time CA, I joined the team working Friday afternoons and Saturdays. And honestly, and I think this will translate well to listeners, um, I did not want those hours. Those were not the (laughs) ideal hours for me. But I was just like, let me just jam my foot in this door. (laughs) Truly, I just, I wanted to be a part of it. And um, so about two and a half months later, they offered me the the position that I'm in now, which it was different then. It's evolved a lot. And and we can talk about that a little bit more about how roles can evolve based on the person on your CA team. But for me, um, this, this is a divine appointment. I... I have given my life's work to chiropractic and I always will because what it did for me, not only for my son, Logan, but also I have another perfect storm kid, Luke. And um, I just know how much it means to the families. Um, And when we talk about changing lives, like we're changing lives. Like, I don't mean that, like, that's not fluff. That's not, you know, anything that's real deal stuff. And getting to do that every day alongside of our team, Um, And creating this really solid community um, in our backyard, it's so cool. And then obviously, cool to be able to help others do the same thing in their hometowns. Oh my gosh. So how big was the staff when you joined? Like how many docs and how many CAs? Yeah. So we... So the practice had just hired a new um, doctor at the time that I was hired. So, you know, at the time their thought was, we're hiring a new doctor, we're adding new hours, let's hire another CA to help, you know, cover those times. Um, So back at that time, um, yeah, it was four doctors and there was a full-time CA, a billing coordinator who worked like 10 hours a week and another part-time CA. So, and then the role- There's only one full-time- for four dollars yeah. and so two- there was yeah I'm, I'm trying to think through that yeah so I guess there was a little bit of a transition where the person that was in billing was working way more CA hours so you could probably say two full-time and then like two part-time I came on but then the volume and this is partly why my role changed after the two and a half months if, if you're able to be effective with it when a new associate joins the team like within two and a half months it's like we're off, we're off to the races mm-hmm. because they're able to take on volume and, you know, you're able to be a lot more productive as a team, um, as you onboard that associate. And PWC is a fan of part-time associates or, um, CAs, right? Yeah. Let's have a lot. Can we lot. talk about this? Because I feel like this is something that I need to start doing more because we are like mm-hmm. full-time city over here yeah. at BHC. I have, I don't know. You get to a certain point where you're like, okay, there's one, two. I have five full-time and I do have one part-time. Okay. And so like, why, what are the benefits of all the part-time people? Sure. 
So we currently have um, four full-time and then we have, you know, six part-time and then, you know, me, obviously I'm full-time. So the benefits to part-time, and we talk about this a lot, is that when you have the right who, sometimes that who doesn't start with the full space that you want for them on your team, right? Almost everybody that's now full-time on our team with the exception of Jen started as the right who, who started part-time. Because their schedule only really allowed it. Right. And this is where we can often really miss out on the right person because we're like, okay, well, this is what we need and they have to fit this. And if they don't fit this, then next. And it's like, okay, well, yes, we have needs and we want to identify and we want to fill those needs. But if this is the right person and there's a reasonable possibility that we're going to wow them and win them over in the next three to six months, which we fully intend to do. And I'm not joking when I say that, like (laughs) when we, when we hire team members, like, you know, if they're like, well, I can only give you 12 hours a week right now, you know, and when we get to that part of things, which we don't lead with that, but when we get to that part of things, you know, I just fully call our shot. That's okay. You know what? In three months, you're going to be at 20 hours a week. I know that for sure. You know? Um, so I think it's very much about the right person mm-hmm. and then figuring their right seat on the bus and, you know, being willing, if you're like dead set that this is the person that you are going to maybe compromise a little bit on the hours at first until you get them onboarded. Obviously, you don't want to compromise the needs of your practice. Um, but we look at when we have a certain number of hours. So let's say, for instance, we had, you know, 30 hours of CA hours that we needed to fill. We would look at that. And, and then we had, you know, one or two people that we really, really loved. We wouldn't necessarily be like, well, let's just, you know, hire this full time. We might look at how can we split this and is this two people? Um, and we, we even just did this for a new CA that is going to be joining our team here in the next couple of weeks who we were like, okay, we have this, you know, tech CA role that we have some hours that we need for. We have this front desk CA role. Is this one person or is this two people? And uh, we decided to split it into two people. And um, I think it's going to be really the best choice for us because it's the right who. And this is why we have, you know, knock on wood, no turnover at PwC. Like our CA team, like once you, you know, you're a lifer. Once you get on that CA team, unless you move to another state, you're working at PwC. (laughs) (laughs) The benefits are too good. That free chiropractic, (laughs) the family. Um, so this is, I know it's so hard to like, I'm trying to ask the questions that like a team, like a doc with only two CAs or one CA can benefit from. And I know Mm -hmm. asking such a massive organization, this is going to be hard, but like with you, you said a tech CA and Mm -hmm. a front desk CA Mm -hmm. do a majority of your part-time people like really stick in one lane only or are they trained to be both and will like, they might mostly scan. I'm assuming that's kind of what you mean by a tech CA. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they, they're mostly scanning. That's our number one priority where we need them. But then obviously they have to be able to answer phone calls and do front desk stuff also. Right. Or is mm-hmm. it like, nope, tech is only tech. Yeah. So Our tech CAs are floaters, meaning that they can function as a front desk CA, but that really their primary role is all of the systems and all of the 
taxier role really embodying that. However, even though everybody is cross-trained, our front dossiers, yeah, I guess I'm not really explaining that correctly. So what I would say is tech CAs, everybody's cross-trained. Tech CAs can work as a front desk CA, but they really don't. We don't mm-hmm. even include them in like our shift coverage and things because right. they, ha- our scan runs are busy, Lauren. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so we don't want to count on them being able to, or having the space to provide the level of service that we are looking for, for our patients, but then not setting them up for success because they're too scattered. Right. And, you know, when we talk about, well, what can we do more effectively as offices to, you know, give our patients a great experience, but also to make sure that everything is getting done. I think a lot of times we're actually understaffing ourselves mm-hmm. as at the front desk, not by a lot. Usually it's only by about 10 hours. Anytime I've ever talked with other offices where they've, you know, expressed concerns here, what they found is that by even just adding another, you know, five to 10 CA hours, it can actually make a huge impact on how your front desk is running and what your patient's experience is. Um, so the rest of our CAs, um, our front desk CAs, and you know they can have various roles in the sense that they may help us with systems, um, they may present financials depending on what their role is. Um, so everybody is cross-trained, but cross-trained, but tech CAs, we really keep them out of the flow of the front desk. Okay. I, every time you talk, I write down two more questions. Um, okay, so let's talk about onboarding because I would mm-hmm. say this is been, um, God has gifted me with the lesson of learning to onboard or like getting good at onboarding over the last year. Mm-hmm. We've had um, quite a few of our CAs just like leave for life events, stay at home mm-hmm. mom leave, you know, moving the state, um, husband starting a business. And so they lost child, like just, oh, no, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. So <laughs> I find that with what we do, it takes like six months before a CA is like good. And then a year before they're a freaking rock star. And the problem that I see coming for everyone is like, we can create an atmosphere, a culture, we can pay our people, we can do all this that like makes people never want to leave. But the generation that's coming in that like, you know, like the 20 something year old moms, like they just are more fluid and things like that. They tend to literally move out of state. They tend to like, you know, just they're not as like geographically locked. And so I foresee a lot of chiropractic clinics, like, yes, ideally you'll have your like core CAs that will never, ever leave you until they retire, but getting good at onboarding is going to need to be really important. So what are some of your tips to like, that a clinic can do to make onboarding easier? Yeah, this, this answer may be a little unexpected, but Ooh. first of all, my first, <laughs> my first part, and then I'll move into the second part where I think it's gonna be the unexpected section. My first part is I love that you talked about the reality of time. So often we expect our CAs 
to onboard and produce way too quickly. And we have them focused on the things that don't matter. Yes, answering the phone is important. Scheduling appointments is important. All of those things are totally important and absolutely part of the job. But also learning the patient, connecting, knowing people's names, being able to engage, being able to understand and communicate chiropractic. You know, all of those things are really important too. So for us, our focus with onboarding has been, yes, absolutely to your point, allowing time, but we really love to start with actually not putting them on the phone, not putting them on the computer, nothing. Like we usually just take that first week to introduce them to every patient that they're just comes standing in. there. Just Literally, they are standing there, Lauren, and we are introducing them and we are talking to them about like, for instance, if they witness this, us having a new patient phone call, or they witness having a difficult interaction with the patient, or they witness, you know, a communication with someone. Afterwards, after they witness that, we talk it down. And we give them real life examples of why we said the things that we said and why we did the things that they did. And so that way, they're way more connection, connected to the heart of it than they are to the actual systems, if you will, right? Yes, and we love the systems. why first and yeah. then the how. And that's actually the part that I want to move into that I think will surprise you. We, the way that we talk about hiring is really countercultural to what a lot of people talk about in the marketplace with regarding, with regard to hiring and staff and all that. When we need to hire and we, we typically, and actually when I say typically, we have not hired a CA in any other way in the last 10 years. When we need to hire, we hire from our patient base. We literally only hire CAs that are patients. Now, I realize that that's not necessarily a you know, tangible reality for everybody. But for us, when we hire, when we're even starting that initial conversation, we start that conversation with leading with our mission and our vision and how we see that person playing into that. That is how we even start that, con that conversation. And what we find is this helps our onboarding immensely. Because when you lead with that, you're not leading with the hours, you're not leading with the pay, you're not leading with any of that, right? You're leading with mission and vision. By the time you get to that later part of your offer where you're solidifying those things, and then that person has joined your team, they're so freaking excited and so all in that they pick up quickly. Because they're coming from a space of, I am so excited to be here. This feels so right. This is so awesome. And then they're just going to be a sponge versus, you know, oh shit, <laughs> I'm nervous. This is a lot. Buckle up. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, a, it's a different space, you know, and, and also having an environment where CAs feel like if they make a mistake, it's a learning opportunity and not that they're going to be, you know, written up or scrutinized. Like we have insanely high standards, but we don't have to like enforce those standards in like a typical um, employment atmosphere type of way um, because it's, it's organic, it's natural, it's, it's inherent, it's built in, it's built into the whole way that we onboard people onto our team. Got it. Um, so do, this seems like a really stupid question. Like, do you have a training manual? 
Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do. We do have a training manual. Yeah, we do have a training manual. And for us, um, we kind of chunk it out. So let me just give you like, I'll give you like the first three weeks. So that first week, yes, we start with exactly what we just said, right? So second week, we're going to start to introduce more procedures. So we're going to start with you know, we have obviously like our office policy. Um, we go through those things, you know, we go through our checklists. So different roles and things that we need to do. Um, we start pulling them into, you know, different interactions more and more. And then we also, I, I would say this, like some CAs are like, I got it. Like, let me just get in there. It's so for as far as how long of time it takes or what resources you need to give them, like also we're very much not going to get in the way of somebody that's like picks up the phone on their own and they got it. So yes, we have, we have a manual, we have the policies. We, we start usually first with checklists um, and just making sure that there's a very clear understanding of expectations. And we also do like the buddy system. So when we onboard a CA, um, we assign them basically a buddy that is going to be their trainer and the person that's going to really lead the charge on getting them where they need to be. And that would be dependent on the hours that they work or what their role is going to be. And then usually we three work together. So myself, whoever their like primary buddy is, and then the new hire, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, because this is not a a me thing or an I thing. This is a we thing. Our whole team, our collective trains the new person. So it's not just the, the leader. Um, there's a lot to learn and a lot of different perspectives on the team. And they can provide a lot of education to the new CA that doesn't need to just come from me. Right. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to make sure you all know about the cool stuff we have happening over on Patreon. This is a platform where I can offer you extra content, behind-the-scenes interviews, quick trainings, and exclusive trainings answering your exact question live, back-to-back with me. It's a way for me to more directly interact with you and post some fun things that would never be in the normal weekly episodes. To check out what we're doing and to sign up, click the link in the show notes. Hey, She Slayers. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you, have you heard of PX? I don't know. Have I mentioned them before? <laughs> so they're practically everywhere these days and I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on our show because they are on a mission that I can seriously get behind. So Dr. Tony and his team have designed a pediatric, prenatal, and family chiropractic training program that has online and live event training opportunities to learn step-by-step -step the science, clinical protocols, and business systems behind building a thriving pediatric and family chiropractic practice. Now, here's what's extra cool. It doesn't matter if you're a student, startup, or practicing chiropractor. I mean, I am a member and I've been in practice for over 12 years now. Each and every bit of their training is applicable to you and where you're at. I've been a part of PX for a while now, and I can say that there's no one better in the space to lead you and to lead this profession than Dr. Tony and his team. 
If you want to take your practice to the next level in serving more kiddos and families in your community, then you must check out PX. I will drop a link in the show notes so you can head over to thepediatricexperience.com and let them know She Slays the Podcast sent you there for a special little bonus. Hey, She Slayers. So many of you connect with my story as a chiropractor because I started all wrong. Years into practice, I had to completely turn it around from being an insurance and pain-based model to a thriving subluxation-based cash practice. I have a lot of ways that that happened, but I am not exaggerating when I say the number one thing I changed was adding CLA's Insight scanning technology. The Insight helped grow our practice from 300 people a week to over 500 a week in the course of one year, purely by showing objective findings and providing reports to patients. So many docs I talk to struggle to communicate the why behind a care plan when the patient's pain goes away in a few visits. They struggle to keep patients after insurance stops paying. They don't know how to explain why a kid benefits from chiropractic care, even though they have no symptoms. They don't do progress exams because what am I going to do to show the patient progress? I am telling you every single thing I just said, my answer to the doc is, are you using insight scanning technology in your clinic yet? Because it's the solution to all of those issues. If you have questions, the staff at CLA is absolutely incredible and will help answer those questions and help implement this big change into your practice Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. Hey, She Slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me, and I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button-ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, Why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality, as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well-Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. So for a newer clinic, you know, maybe they are looking to hire a CA before they're open or Mm -hmm. they're at that like 30 people a week mark, 50 people a week mark. And they're like, okay, now I need to bring on my first CA. They -hmm. likely do not have any kind of a training manual. Mm -hmm. They're barely even in network with the insurances that they're trying, you know, like they are still figuring out the Medicare application at this point. So what are some of the, what's some of the advice or mistakes that a brand new doc is going mm-hmm. to make or what can they avoid by like hiring that first person? Because sometimes you just don't have a pool. So like, yeah. how do you try and find someone who's going to care and be open to that mission and vision if you don't yeah. have a big pool to pull from? Yeah. So 
two things. So number one, one thing I would say to somebody new is I would say, don't wait too long. Because when you're when you're getting started, obviously there's all kinds of concerns when you're getting started. Like, are we gonna be profitable? When are we gonna be ready? How many visits a week? Or like there's so many things floating around. And I totally get that and I'm cognizant of that. But at the same time, you can wait too long. And you don't want to wait to a point where you get to that like hair on fire, like, man, things are popping off and now I need to hire somebody. And how do I even slow down? Right. Hire and train them. Right. Um, so that would be, you know, one recommendation, but as far as who this is going to sound cheesy, but this is just how we roll. Who in your community, are you getting great service from that already has a job? Like Mm -hmm. you go to your favorite coffee spot and that one barista who's just literally like liquid sunshine and like, you know, just Mm -hmm. makes your day. Like, people that I would approach. I mean, truly like, or asking like, and not asking like who needs a job? Like that is, that is not the question. The question is like, who do you know that is like so dynamic and would want to be part of a mission, uh, you know, a mission-based business, you know, it sounds like kind of cliche and cheesy, but I actually pulled like a couple of stats because we talk about that. We talk a lot about purpose and mission and vision and how we feel really feel like that is what helps us with our CA team. Um, but so consumers, you know, that's obviously a priority for them. 94% of consumers want to, you know, use the services of a mission-based business. And it's the same thing with team members. Team members want to be connected to a business that has a purpose and that is making an impact, right? So, yeah, so talk to people that are great at something that they're already doing. Ask people that you know, and don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid to call your shot. Like, you know, honestly, I would, yeah. Who who cares if you're a creeper asking the person <laughs> at, at the coffee shop if, uh, you know, they want to come playing chiropractic with you? Go for it. Yeah. I love, so I waited until we were like 50 a week. And to this day, I say it was one of the dumbest things I did in the beginning. Obviously at 50 a week, you're not so busy that you can't train, but just the scarcity mindset of like, you know, like you said, they don't have to be full time. You could start someone at 10 out. And if you're poaching someone from the coffee shop, like it might be, they can start 10 hours a week and like so much marketing that is happening that pulls you out of the office. And so just getting someone in there 10 hours a week at, you know, even if you paid them good, you know, well, it depends on where you, but like $20 an hour, like this is not huge, massive amounts of money. You're looking at $10,000 a year. Like, I think they could provide that value. Now, Lauren, I want to say something on that. And, you know, when it comes to hiring, we say no for people. (laughs) Like, we say no for people. Like, when I joined the team, I'll use myself as an example. Honestly, I, I thought I had my dream job when they asked me to come work at PwC. I was working in ministry. I had the perfect hours. I had summers off. Like it was literally like I, the job that I had before PwC, I thought I had landed my dream job, but the mission got so deep into my soul that 
when they asked me, I 100% knew it was the right thing. So, so often we can see somebody that's so awesome and so dynamic and we know they have to be at our practice and we're like, well, they've got kids and they already work and they have this and they have that and stop. Like you never know how much that person already wants to be at your spot and does Mm -hmm. not have the courage to like speak up to you say, and, and say something to you, you know? So basically every single person that we've hired in the last five or six years has been somebody that had so many reasons why they would say no. And yet they said yes, because we asked. Yeah. And like, I mean, you were in ministry and God was pulling you to do his work. Go figure. Right. Like I think you take that for granted that like, you know, there are there are so many people that like are pieces that God is like, okay, you've learned this here. And now I need you to go over here and do this. And you're going to teach this. And so like, I mean, it's so, how long have you been with PwC? Uh, Almost seven years to be seven years in May. So like, it's really interesting because hindsight, it's like, yeah, it's very easy to see how God used you. But like Mm -hmm. in that moment, it may not have been, you know, you might approach someone who wasn't, who's very happy with their job. And like, you might plant this seed that they're like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is really interesting. Um, What do you think one of the biggest surprises is that CAs encounter as they're like starting? Yeah. That it's way more than a receptionist job. Yeah, I know. Truly. Because like when you're describing the job duties, it's like, all right, well, you'll check people in, you'll hold babies when you need to, um, you'll tidy up, you'll answer the phone, you'll do like run this report. It sounds so much like, yeah, all right, that's the secretary job. And it's like, oh God, no, it is so not. Yeah. So I think that, that, and then also um, the, the, like the energetic effects of it, like you put your heart all out there Mm -hmm. when you're at work. You're yeah. just like exhausted the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally normal. Cause that actually, I almost like get a little excited <laughs> when they're like, you know, tired like that, because that means they're putting it all out there and, and chiropractic's getting in there, you know, mm-hmm. in a new way um, and in a special way. And yeah, I, so that's, I think the, the two most surprising parts is that it's, there's way more to it. And that, um, you know, it can be a little emotionally draining at first when you're becoming acclimated to everything. How much check-ins do you like with, so like you've been given a lot of freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, your job better than, than Tony. Um, And like how much in your ideal world, how often are you checking in with the boss though? Is that weekly? Is that once a month? Is it? Uh, yeah. Um, checking in with the boss in what context? Well, so I find that a lot of docs, they, they might do a team meeting, you know? So if you've got a staff of, let's say four, mm-hmm. um, you're doing that weekly team meeting, hopefully yeah. they're doing something. But if it's one doc and three CAs, you probably have a CA that is making sure trainings happen, like kind of more the accountability accountability mm-hmm. CA. Mm-hmm. And I find that every other week, so I have two different people who are kind of in control of different realms of the practice. It's really helpful for us to do just a 10 minute check-in. 
they mm-hmm. really like that emotionally because yeah. yes, they see a lot of me and they get a lot of me, but like this one-on-one time mm-hmm. where I'm focused on like, how is your job going? What do you need from me? And again, it can be 10 minutes goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Would yeah. you agree with it? And so many docs are resistant of like, just doing that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting for us at the practice because um, really we have two bosses, you know, with uh, Christina and Tony um, really running things, you know, Tony running things clinically um, and in a lot of aspects and then Christina running things in some other aspects, you know, I have very frequent communication with them just in general. We have a very close relationship. I would say that I operate with a lot of autonomy. I try to save questions that I know I must have or really need them for, for those one-on-one times, which we typically have on Mondays. You know, I usually always have 10 to 15 minutes every Monday morning with Christina and then usually Monday afternoon spend 10 to 15 minutes with Tony. But at the same time, I think it's important for us to feel empowered. You know, I, I save questions asked for Tony that I know only Tony can answer because like, I look at Tony, like, you know, he has a very unique genius about him that is very unique to him and special for what he's doing in the world. And I really want to protect that. And so I don't want to ask unimportant questions or questions that are going to distract him from what his focus needs to be. And so a lot of that has been me taking ownership over being able to trust my instincts to make decisions um, within the constraints that they've allowed. But like you said, I've been doing this for a long time, but I think this is something that we can really utilize our team more effectively for. You know, back when I first started as a patient care coordinator, after I demonstrated a good track record of making good decisions and giving great experiences and being a great, um, you know, doing a great job with our team, like we were, things were just really clicking along. I, I distinctly remember one time where Tony just said, you know what? I asked him a question about a decision that needed to be needed to be made. And he goes, what do you think we should do? And I said, well, I think this, and he goes, then that's what we should do because I trust you and I trust your instincts and you're running this well and I want you to continue to run it well. And so I think, yes, having those check-ins, you know, once a week, 10 to 15 minutes where it's really dedicated communication is really helpful. But I also think that we have a huge opportunity to be way more productive, um, wildly so in fact, if we give our very capable team members more autonomy to create the experiences that we have prepared them to create. And I think you nailed it there because before you went that direction, I think that, you know, talking about where you were saying, like, I really want to protect his genius. I could just, I could just hear the listeners in the future going like, oh, I wish my CA would protect my genius. But, and this is where I can say something that's kind of an asshole thing to say because I'm not saying it to anybody directly. Mm-hmm. Um, chiropractors, clinic owners tend to have no idea how much control freaks they are. Mm-hmm. And so they say, I want my CA to handle it. And then as soon as they don't do it, 
the way they would have in the timeline. They would like, it is just like, I wish I would have just done it myself and they micromanage. So how can, how can a, and I mean, this is more of a personality question, so it's okay mm-hmm. for you to just sure. give it your best shot. But like, if we've got a owner who is like, oh shoot, I, I am the one holding, like I have two, three, five really capable staff. They've been with me mm-hmm. for a couple of years. I want them to act more autonomous. One, you answered it. One, you said it, you have to empower them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that means. How, yeah. how do they start to empower them? Yeah. How do they start getting well, what they say they want? Yeah. Well, they have to, first of all, be willing to go through the period of uncomfortableness <laughs> mm-hmm. that is relinquishing full control over every single outcome. Mm-hmm. Also, they have to make sure that you equip your team by, so one of the things that we we do is, and I'll use myself as an example. So like we focus heavily on training our team to think a certain way. So like thinking about the patient experience, right? So if we're having a difficult conversation or we're having some kind of interaction where, you know, it's a little bit yucky, right? So my goal is that myself and and Tony's goal, he would say the same thing about me, that we have equipped them to be connected enough to our core values to understand where we want this outcome to go. And Number two, be trained appropriately enough to understand how we think so that they can make decisions that are in alignment with who we say we are and what we want our patients' experience to be. And so, you know, I just know what is so important to Tony and what is so important to Christina. And same thing, like RCAs, they they know what we're trying to create. And so they feel empowered. and. So sometimes that looks like we give something away, you know, we give a free boost, we give a complimentary exam, we, you know, we wave something we do, you know, there's all kinds of different things that you can do, right. Um, And any time, even if it was not the decision that I would have made, or the decision Tony would have made, if there is a, a decision that gets made, and your CA talks you through why they made the decision, and those and that decision is very lined up with the creating the kind of experience that you want and it aligns with your core values, but it's not the decision you would have made. You know what you say? I see how you landed there and what you were trying to create with that. And I really respect that. I wouldn't have gone that way, but I see how you landed there and I appreciate you for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's it. Here's the thing. When we micromanage, we're undervaluing the contribution of our CAs. You know, and you know, I was I was talking with um, Dr. Fletcher last night, and he said, "I said I'm not a chiropractor," and he said, "Yes, you are, <laughs> right." And what he meant by that, or what I understood his inferred meaning to be, was that my contribution as a care advocate is I'm adjusting people with love. You know, I'm not physically adjusting them, but I'm adjusting them in their heart in the experience that I give them and help I, how I guide them through. And so um, trusting that, Tony and Christina having trust in that and me having trust in our other CAs to create that, 
like that is a very valuable contribution and it's just as important as the adjustment and the clinical care that the doctor is going to give because there's more than one way to heal right mm -hmm. and so it's that collaboration yes. that we give that creates the synergy that gets the people better <laughs> you know i i i've never phrased it that way to my staff so like my staff knows the experience is the number one thing that we're creating and you know listening to what you're saying saying like so healing takes place in this building but I've never realized until, you know, Fletcher through you through this is like, oh, but the healing requires that person to accept the healing, to process that healing. Mm -hmm. And do I actually think that the adjustment on that chiropractic table is where the healing begins and ends? I would say, oh, hell no. And then it's like, okay, so what is, what is a part of the healing? I'd be like, well, from the second they walk in the door and it's like, well, why from the second they walk in the door? You go, because like, the experience and our patients say it over and over and over, like this staff is like no other. Yeah, they say nice things about the doctors, but like our Google reviews are full of like, yeah, 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 I got amazing results. Dr. Randy was fantastic. The staff is like none other. And like when I think about in our town, we've got lots of businesses in our town, you know, like there's at least seven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's a very small town. Um, but like when I go like where else in town that like I walk through, you know, where else do I walk in and there's like a palpable energy that is like, this is different. I can't really, maybe there's a pediatric dentist in town that I'm like, yeah, I think they got a little bit of that, um, that mojo, that whatever, mm -hmm. but like, I can't think of it. And like, it's different. It's palpable. It's the energy in that place is what allows for a space of healing. And I can't do that. I'm freaking adjusting like that. Yeah. It's all the staff. And that is just beautiful. Yeah, it, it is beautiful. And it's a huge opportunity, right? Like what you just talked about, like that mojo, right? That's contrast. That is such an asset to what we are trying to achieve with getting kids and families the quality of life that they deserve to have, right? The contrast of like going into a place where you feel that, and that's gonna be something that you're gonna take with you, you know? And you're gonna wanna stay connected to that, like, because you're not getting that anywhere else, you know? Or maybe you're, you are getting it in a couple of other places and that's cool. And you're prioritizing staying in those places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your insurance cool. covers this chiropractor over there, but are you going to leave? Hell no. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> how do, how does your, I'm assuming your CAs are pretty good at getting referrals and testimonials. Mm -hmm. How I feel like um, a lot of clinics ask their front desk to get them, but like have get mediocre results. Like how are you guys empowered to like get that new patient, get that testimonial? Are you yeah. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we're not in that sense, like off of those metrics or anything like that. One of the things that has been the most helpful for us, so like two systems things that have been hugely helpful for us, and and they both involved a, a particular um, a particular uh, product. So intake you. 
has honestly been the number one game changer for us for this. And I'll tell you why it's twofold. Our CAs reviewing progress paperwork mm-hmm. and seeing that, that gold of those written words from parents that tell those kids stories or give glimpses into some of those early soft signs, especially when somebody is just getting started, maybe it's their first progress report. So our CAs literally just keep intake queue open and they're reviewing that all day, every day as we're preparing all for those scans. Not yeah. just the person going over the scan. No, we, no, no. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because yeah, when duh. our, well, so what happens is, you know, each of the CAs have the, have intake queue pulled up, which is awesome. And then because everybody, you know, or whoever's on shift is involved in the, the opening and, you know, lunch and then closing procedures, like that's part of the procedures to check paperwork. So they're checking the paperwork, they're reading through things. And then when we have those leads on what the feedback is, so somebody that would be a great, you know, testimonial, whether that be long form or short form, because we do patient spotlight, which is like a short form, right? And a lot of times we'll do those earlier on in care when there's maybe not as much to glean from the feedback, but Mm -hmm. there's some really good initial nuggets. And then a full-fledged testimonial, which we usually do like later on in the game, either after the person has transitioned to wellness or when they're, you know, about to transition to wellness and have gone through rocking their restoration plan. And then the other cool thing that we do is we actually created a form within Intake Q that we send to capture <laughs> the information from the patient. So once we've identified a great testimonial or whatever the case may be, if we want to take it a next step further, we actually you know, connect with the patient, ask them their willingness, gauge that, and then we send them this form. And I'm telling you what, simply going from having a paper version of this form to making it electronic. So when mom's sitting in the car line, she can just on her phone has changed the volume and the quality of our testimonials to the nth degree. Something so insanely simple. And then are you texting these out to your patients? Are you emailing them out? Are they like, you can do one. You can do either. So, so the form is within our electronic forms and intake queue. You can text or email it within their interface, which is huge. We usually text it just because that seems to be how our patients. And people don't get annoyed. People don't like with like a, no. Okay. No, no, not at all. In fact, you know, it's funny. I thought they would get annoyed, you know, but they really don't. I, there's so much ease to it. I feel like they almost get more annoyed with the way that we used to do it (laughs) than they get annoyed with the way that we do it now, which is electronically. So we used to have like, we used to have, you know, a paper, you know, sheet and it had the same questions on them. It's literally all the same questions, but then we would have one of our CAs go in and sit down with them and chat and capture the information. And as much as I, I love that for the connection piece of it, um, I feel like the actual quality of what we're capturing is much better when it's exactly what the mom wants to say or what the parent wants to say in their words, typed out and delivered electronically. Do you have any of the questions memorized? Like what are generally the questions? Um, usually the questions are, you know, asking about how this has impacted their life. Um, 
trying to think what the results were in correlation to what the goals for care were. Hmm. So trying to help the patient like solidify those direct connections from this is what our goal for care was. This is what we saw. And then also just oriented around like kind of capturing what their experience was overall. Got it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to send my entire staff this audio before everyone else gets it. (laughs) That's happening today. All right. So any, any like thing that you had written down that you wanted doctors to hear that we didn't touch on? We covered Um, a lot. We did. We covered a lot. I think we, the main thing that I see on my notes that we didn't really cover that I think is really I know is really important and has been immensely helpful for us is prioritizing ongoing training. So continuing to have your team learn and train and be engaged and have that be a team thing. I think it is so mainstream within chiropractic that the docs go off and they train and they learn and they do their thing. Uh And the CAs are just like, um, hi, hello. (laughs) Uh, Can I do that too? (laughs) And so truly, I think making it a priority for your team to train together um, for docs your CAs. and CAs. Yeah. Yeah. Docs and CAs to be able to have a culture within your practice that prioritizes your team training. Um, and for us, that's been a game changer. Okay. Stupid question. How do you figure out the topics you're going to train on? So here's the deal. I am a verbal processor. So like if at our team meeting, my staff said, hey, can we train on the new patient phone call when the first thing out of their mouth is, do you take my insurance? I could, I mean, I could freaking do a 30 minute podcast on it. Like just talk, but we, we, where we get stuck with training is like, what should we train on? I don't know. What do you want to train on? I don't know. Yeah. So how do you guys come up with like your training topics? Yeah. It seems so, so stupid, but like, if I have that question, somebody else has to have it. Yeah. So, I mean, we always start first with our stuck points. Any, any part in our process that we are getting stuck or we are subluxated, that's where we go first. Right. And so I hate to say we put out fires first, but yeah, we do. Like, and so, and our, so our CAs, we have very regular team meetings, but we have a dedicated, like sort of long form CA meeting once a month as a team. And so like right now our team is moving through our pediatric experience, CA momentum course training we're, and we're doing a module a month, but then that's, you know, 20% of our meeting or maybe 40% of our meeting. The other 60%, and we actually have a a CA meeting coming up this Monday, our training is going to be going over, you know, the things in our process that we feel like need refinement, reviewing our current schedule and things that have changed as we've hired new docs. Um, The list is on my phone here for what I was prepping for the agenda, but but that's what we're going to do. So a great place to start with training is, is there anything in your patient experience that you feel like is not the level that you want it to be right now, start there. Mm -hmm. And then as far as where you find those resources from, there's all kinds of places, but 
I think a great resource is really just listening to your CAs first for what they're wanting to do. I think so often our CAs actually know how to solve <laughs> some of the challenges that we're experiencing. And we just need to really like fully listen and embrace what their ideas are um, and, and just kind of talk that down as a team and figure out how to implement it and how to make those, uh, those updates. So you kind of segued into my final question really well here, unknowingly. Um, so if somebody is like, gosh, this Jackie chick is really on top. If only I could pay to have her train my staff, where could people get more of you, Jackie? Yes. Um, so they can get more of myself. Um, and the rest of our CA crew and our doc crew uh, within the pediatric experience. So what's cool with pediatric experience is that, you know, we have training weekly and two of those four training calls every month are team and systems. So I lead those, uh, those calls with our team, Christina, obviously heavily too, um, and the rest of our CA crew. So that's one place we have hundreds of hours of, you know, core content in there, the live calls that also go in there. I mean, and yeah, then you once have, how many times a month do you just have open hours? Is the CA once a month or twice yeah. a month? So every second and fourth Tuesday, we do a live one hour training. And then that subsequent Thursday, we have one hours of just open time. I flip on my camera. I have no planned content um, uh, except any submitted questions. And you can just pick pick our brains, pick my brain, mm -hmm. pick our CA's brain. Um, and it can be anything from anything we presented that week to any other questions. Um, and we get great questions. And honestly, a lot of our members just come on to be a fly on the wall and just listen to the other things that other people are asking. Um, once you're in the membership, if you want to go even a step further and deepen your, your training for your team um, and have an evergreen way to onboard your CAs, we have a momentum course, um, which is a very comprehensive course um, that trains CAs top to bottom, front to back on how to really bring um, the CA role of care advocate to life. I love it. And we'll have links below for all of that. So yeah, I think you kind of set the bar pretty high if I'm going to ever have another oh, CA on. Lord. So um, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah. Was thank you. Valuable. This has been, this has been awesome. And I, I want to thank you so much. And, you know, thanks to all the the listeners for, you know, spending this time and, hopefully taking some implementation and action after this for, for your own team. So yeah, let's roll. Sure. <laughs> All right, Chief Players, <laughs> until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors. 
so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 